Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTEGA podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Mikey Stafford here. I am joined, as always, by Rory O'Neill, as well as Connor Neville of RT Online and Jackie Terrell, formerly of Kilkenny Hurlers. You may have heard of them. Um, later on, we'll have Pat Spillane and Wexford football manager Shane Roach to preview the Talton Cup semi-finals. Talton Cup's number one fan, Pat Spillane. I hope he brings his <laughs> Talton Cup foam finger with him because he really, he really is a fan now. He's written a great column about yeah. it, so um, we're going to get him on. Garage Hegarty says hurling is overanalyzed, so we should only be doing 15 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's either too much analysis, too little analysis, you're too boring or too funny, too, too, too long, too short. I mean, uh, Rory, no one's ever, ever accused you, us of being too funny. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, we have two very interesting All Ireland quarterfinals to look forward to in Semple Stadium. Uh, Connor Neville's just bought himself some tickets, so he's going along, he's, he's caught the bug. Uh, you only avoid- get the Kalina end, by the way. The, oh. stand, the stand were gone in no time. Well, I turned down a couple of stand ones because I thought I might be behind a pole, and that turned out I was got too greedy. So. Ah, you got too. You've caught the hurling bug. all that was available on Ticketmaster, and I panicked, so I had to buy. Ah, it. there you go. You've caught the bug. Unfortunately, I've caught COVID, so I can't go to to Semple Stadium. You'd probably prefer if I wasn't there, Connor. So I I won't be there. Um, but I shall be watching. Uh, Jackie, we we might start with Galway and, uh, and Cork. Um. Two teams with a lot of question marks around them. Um, perhaps people might think Cork had began begun to answer the questions about them, I suppose, in the latter stages around Robin, whereas Galway, I don't know what to make of Galway after that Leinster final. You obviously were delighted with the result, but you must have been quite perplexed by, you know, the the level of kind of performance that was put up against Galway. It They really just seemed to... I, I don't know. I, I still can't quite fathom what happened. They they just didn't come. We put a lot down to intensity, but they certainly they weren't they weren't at the level they needed to be to take on a Kilkenny team chasing three Leinster titles in a row. So now we have to ask, you know, what do they need to do to lift it? Clearly they have the ability, but there's there just seemed to be something a little off in Crow Park, did you think? Yeah, it's very hard to analyse where Galway are right now after a really consistent round robin. I suppose looking back and having time to reflect, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think essentially they didn't execute uh, a lot of the opportunities that they got in front of goal. They didn't have a clear cut chance, but they definitely had three to four chances. Connor Whelan had one, Connor Whelan had two, Joseph Cooney had them, and they probably definitely needed one of those opportunities to go in. Outside of that, their intensity levels definitely weren't at the same level of salt till. But also, I think you have to give a bit of credit to Kenny in the sense that if you compare the two games where Tom Monan, Cottle Mannion and Joseph Cooney almost ran the game in salt till, Kenny definitely targeted those three and they sent Conor Foley after Tom Monan and did an outstanding job on it. Joseph Cooney was held uh, very quiet as well. And Cottle Mannion, Mikey Butler, he was man of the match. He cut him out. So I think talk, taking those three out of the game, there wasn't... It wasn't a huge amount different from Salt Hill. Generally, they were decent at the back, Galway were. But when you take those three out of middle third, that attack and threat, it was mainly on Connor Whelan, who showed glimpses of magic. In fairness, Hugh Lawler, he stuck to his task manfully, but eventually he kind of got on top of him. So I think those three guys are so important to this Galway thing from an offensive point of view. 
Um, and I do think they never reached the levels of intensity that they did in Salt Hill. So there will be the challenges for Henry this week. Um, I would say, looking at Cork, Cork maybe have addressed some of their issues from the round robin. Kieran Joyce going to centre-back has been a, a really, really good, solid move for them. They now have really six that they can build around. Mark Coleman moving to seven has freed him up. Um, Conor Lehan is in outstanding form. Darth Fitzgibbon is in really good form as well. So, and Seamus Harney showed a lot of leadership. So they've, they have a lot more probably positive things to be positive about going into this game where Galway have a lot more question marks. The one little thing from a Galway point of view is I see Rob Downey went off again the weekend. Don't know if he's injured or that. And when you look at Galway, they're probably their most potent attacker is Conor Whelan who will cause problems. So there will be an air of caution there from, from a, a Cork point of view. But Cork seem to have probably a more settled team and the team in better form at the minute. Yeah, Conor... Uh... Connor Neville, um, yeah, the Connor Whelan is certainly the 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 man in the that Galway attack. They only got I think seven points from play from their their six starting forwards against Kilkenny, and four of them came from Connor Whelan. Um, <clears throat> we used to say the Galway attack was a bit reliant on Joe Canning in the past. Um, it now seems to be a little bit reliant on Connor Whelan, and despite all the talent that they have in there, um, they're. You, you you can't be that reliant on one forward, even one as talented and uh, just overtly physical as Conor Whelan. Well, they were reliant on him in the Leinster final, and that was the problem. I mean, he, when they beat Kilkenny and Salt Hill, of course, he was injured and only came on at half time and didn't didn't massively impact the game. So they haven't been reliant on him before. I mean, it was just that some of their key players in the middle who had been playing very well, Tom Monaghan, who was fantastic in the round robin, had a bit of a nightmare in the Leinster final. Every time the ball came to him, it was fumbled. It seemed Joseph Cooney barely hit the ball in the second half. Uh, the Leinster final was certainly a dismal experience to be at, uh, <laughs> from my perspective, anyway. I mean, it was a bit like, you know, the early stages of a hurling match where teams are feeling each other out and there's no real flow to the game. It was like, it was like that elongated over 70 minutes. I mean, it never... Never seemed to really start. I know there was a there was a sense that Galway were overly focused on taking on Kilkenny physically, and they concentrated too much on that. And I, there's probably something in that. I mean, certainly in the second half, their tackling was very clumsy. I thought every time they engaged, by the time we reached the second half, every time they engaged physically, James hand James Owen's hand hand was going out and. I'm not complaining about that, but that you know, I think the tackling was a bit lazy, and you know they got punished by by TJ Reid. I do have a theory on the Leinster final. Sometimes, I mean, it often occurs. I mean, this is quite old school, but I wonder is there a motivation gap there when Kilkenny play Galway in the Leinster final? I know um, Aidan Fogarty was talking about how he he suggested Brian Cody uses the fact that Galway are in Connacht a lot. They're going from Connacht and they're coming over here to take Leinster as a big factor in the dressing room beforehand. And then on the other hand, you have Joe Canning saying, you know, his Leinster medals don't mean a whole pile to him. I just wonder, does that impact the game when it comes to it? But uh, yeah, because their record in Leinster is average enough, considering how talented the team is generally, three, three Leinster titles in 13 years. I mean, it's not a big deal to win it down there, I don't think. But uh, yeah, they have, a, they have a job to bounce back against Cork, who seemed to recover a bit of form, although they were they were um, 
fairly unimpressive against Antrim for the most part. I mean, I only watched the first half of that game, but I suppose there's question marks about how tuned in they were for that. I think I think the first half of a, uh, a, a the preliminary quarterfinal seems to be the sweet spot. I'll admit I, I only watched the first yeah, half. I go to a soccer game, match but... after. <laughs> Rory, um, would you subscribe to the theory as a proud Corkman that, that Galway is just about the perfect opponent for Cork in an All-Ireland quarterfinal? No, I wouldn't subscribe to that at all. I would think I'd be pretty nervous about this game from a Cork perspective. Cork haven't beaten Galway in the championship since 2008. Yeah, four, four four losses in a row, isn't it? Four, 14 years, that's a long, yeah. long time, you know, and it, the, the historical record to go right back in history, not that that has any relevance, would have probably been something the other way in insofar as Cork would have ordinarily felt they would have always had it over Galway. So I think to go to kind of bring in Connor's point, I think Galway has been an absolute godsend for Galway hurling in many ways in terms of sharpening up their hurling ahead of an attack on the All-Ireland series. So I would yeah. see this match 100% as no more than 50-50. I think Jackie mentioned execution. I think that's a, that was the key ingredient that was missed. If you look at it, in my view, and I mean, Jackie is probably the best person of all to uh, to assess this. In my view, the strongest line in the Kilkenny team is their full back line. They have a fantastic full back line. And that extra half second that you need to kind of get to take those goal chances that they had early on, they had like certainly two really good ones and two kind of half goal chances. And they took none of them. Um, that extra little bit of space, that extra half second at Intercounty Hurling, when you're coming up against a full back line, let's be honest, that won't be as good as the Kilkenny full back line. I could see Galway scoring. Cork have conceded goals in every single match they've played in the championship this year, with the notable exception of Clare, who racked up 28 points on the day of days for Clare. And Clare had a couple of goal chances as well on that same day. I think if Galway can get a couple reverse the trend of the Leinster final, carve open one or two goal opportunities early on. I think there are weaknesses, particularly in the Cork full back line that they could get after. And if they can get Connor Whelan on a on, on, on a little bit more ball, I think there's plenty in this match for Galway. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, the Cork defence seems to be shored up a bit from, you know, the dog days of the uh, the uh, the league final and like the, the Limerick game and, and that Clare game that uh, Roy referenced there where they conceded 28 points you know they they held Waterford okay Waterford who we're, we're now kind of being a bit <laughs> we're, we're, we're revising kind of maybe how good they were but they 119 Tipperary 124 Antrim 219 Antrim being a Joe McDonough team where 219 is a halftime score in a Joe McDonough cup game these days um so do you think maybe Cork that they, they, have they cracked it a little bit their defensive system or have the quality of opponents just kind of been going down a little since the start of the championship? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say they've cracked it completely. They're definitely an improved outfit with Joyce at six, Coleman at seven, and Tim O'Mahony, who is a fabulous hurler, but his defensive part of the game is just he doesn't track runners. He's very much forward, forward orientated. So getting him out of defence, uh, putting Niall O'Leary at wing back, I definitely think it gives them a more, more compact half back line a better defensive screen to their full back line. There is question marks over Rob Downey still. I do think for all probably the question marks over him, Damien Callan has been proved to be a pretty solid uh, full uh, cornerback. Um, and look, Sean Dunn, who was an outstanding cornerback. So they have landed on possibly their best six. Um, and with Darfitz given now in better form at midfield, 
it offers them a bit more um, protection there. Jeremy Millerick, could he come in the weekend as well? So, yeah, I definitely think it's a, a more improved outfit. It's more compact or structurally sound. It's amazing the impact of a really good six can have on a defence. It, it just changes everything. It can just give you that solidarity. And he's an absolutely outstanding hurler, but he just does the simple things, Kieran Joyce, so, so well. He's, 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 he's way beyond his years as regards his experience, his positioning, and he's a six that Galbig or Cork can build on going forward. Um, so, yeah, it just gives them that better opportunity. But one thing Cork will do, they will still give you one, two, maybe even three opportunities of goals every weekend. And to Rory's point, will Galway be more clinical, more ruthless in front of go. goals yeah. uh, to take those opportunities? And for that to happen, it can't be just on Conor Whelan. They need runners coming from deep, like Joseph Cooney, like Tom Onan, like Carl Mannion, being very crafty and creating these chances. But they will get those opportunities. Whether they take them, look, no better man than Henry Shefflin to drive home the point of ruthlessness this week. Yeah. Conor, the... Galway defense, we've noted before, they're they're big, they're physical, they're uh, you know they they are what they are, and they're very good at it. Um, so uh, the one argument would be that Cork's kind of moved towards the kind of more mobile, faster forward unit, which has seen Patrick Horgan benched in recent games, would would be the way to go. But on the other hand, someone like Patrick Horgan with his you know. 48 inch hurl uh or whatever it is um might be just the kind of guy to put in there and cause a bit of trouble that's just that's just the size of the boss <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would you what would you do connor would you would you think patrick organ is a good man to start this game or perhaps better as an impact sub i hmm, i'd be inclined to go with the impact sub route actually and the court move the ball as they have been that would probably suit them better again, given given the particular strengths of the Galway backline. That might be it. Might be better for Cork to play the the running game as they have been playing it, and which was very effective against Galway in the league. Now, obviously, we're banned from drawing any relevance from the league um, at all. So, um, but yeah, I would imagine that that'd be the, the way to go. On Galway's uh, goal threat, uh, Galway have been bizarrely short of uh, goals. Um, in latter years, I mean, they won in All Ireland entirely without them, and mm. uh, you know, that was the fashion of the time, though. That was the fashion of the time. I think that I one got the sense they were they were conscious of that and were trying to work them in the first half against Kilkenny. They should have scored them really. I mean, Brian, the second one in particular, when Brian Concanon uh, had a stick pass to Connor Whelan, it didn't go to didn't go to hand. It kind of went to at his laces, and he couldn't get it up then, and they didn't get the shot away. So yeah, I mean. If, if Galway can nab a couple of goals early, that'd rock Cork back. They do have a good modern record against Cork. I'm not sure how relevant it is, given that the last game was seven years ago. Mm. So, I mean, there are still some players playing. I mean, I don't, that was the famous, um, I think it's now, now been titled the Johnny Glynn game, that game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, one would doubt the relevance of that. I, I On form, Cork have it, but Galway have shown an ability to bounce back uh, from Leinster final defeats. They did it in 15, they did it in 16. Their, their record in Thurless isn't as bad as is often claimed. They, they won a few games in a row there in the last decade. So, you know, it's set up to be a, a very exciting game. Um, from Cork's perspective, I would imagine they'll, they'll their speed of movement in the forwards, I would imagine they'd see that as a as a profitable avenue against Galway, given that the Galway forwards, uh, the Galway backs are very 
dominant in the air, phys physically strong and so forth. But there, there might be question marks down the middle in particular about, about their pace. Yeah. Uh, so call it for a sin, Rory, win this and it's an All-Ireland semi-final against Kilkenny. Sure you'd, Not, you'd necessarily. Not necessarily. No? Um, no, because if Wexford win... Uh, Wexford will play Limerick and Cork would play Kilkenny in that scenario they do they are looking to avoid repeat pairings as well yeah. at semi-final stage so if Cork and Wexford win that would be how it would play out but um, if, if if either provincial if either beaten provincial finalist wins then the draw is preordained yeah but um, yeah, in terms of calling it I think it's going to be tight I think it'll, as I agree with Connor I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game I think it'll be top quality stuff It'll be end to end. It always is. Boxing parlance styles make fights. Cork and Galway invariably nearly bring out the best in each other. I hope one team changes just for our commentary teams because it can be tricky, especially in sunlight <laughs> with the two jerseys. Um, I don't know who's won the toss on that count. But in terms of calling it, I, look, this isn't to speak against our play the Yera card or anything like that, but. I just get a sense that there's probably a bigger improvement to come in Galway in terms of their performance in the Leinster final. And Cork maybe have done their improving. Can they go on to another level? They could. I, I still have my doubts and I give a hesitant nod to Galway, but not by much. Mm. Jackie? Yeah, Mikey, it's, it's very hard to call because these teams are consistently inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but when you do look at it, I just think the Cork team are in a better place for us from a positional and a personnel point of view. And the farm players are with Cork. Kieran Joyce, as I spoke about, Robbie O'Flynn, who's having an outstanding year, Conor Lehan, Dara Fitzgibbon down the middle, mid middle, and Alan Connie inside has been a real, real, real uh, carrot for this Cork team. Um, so I'm going to give them the nod on this one. And support as well, by the way. Support does make a big difference. Cork, there'll be 20,000 Cork people there on, on Saturday. And, and also, I, I do feel Cork have a better bench, particularly if they put hold back uh, Patch Cork. Connor, you'll be one man roaring, trying to quieten that Cork crowd. How do you see it going? I won't be too animated. Uh, I don't know. How could you call this spot, really? Um, I slightly like Cork's momentum, um, I have to say. So, very cagely, I'd give it to them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Galway came out and had a reaction to the to the Leinster final and won. So. But I'll go for Cork just about. Okay. I, I genuinely have, have no idea who's going to win this match either. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to stump for Cork just because I was so mystified by Galway the last day. I, I don't know whether even Henry Shefflin can turn that around. Okay. The other quarterfinal obviously is uh, the, um, Mired in controversy, that's what you want to say. <laughs> well, it's Clare versus Wexford, which does... Now, the controversy this time is not of Wexford's doing. Obviously, it's all of RTE's doing. But um, Wexford and Clare has been quite an acrimonious fixture in recent times. Obviously, Davy Fitz and Brian Lowen brought a lot of that. You know, Before there was ever the Henry and uh, Brian Cody uh, handshake, there was debate over whether Lowen and Davy would do a handshake. Um, and then there was the whole close contacts thing um, during COVID, which was a bit odd. Um, so it's just a fixture that has brought a bit of acrimony in recent years. Um, Claire have won the last three. Um, you have to go back to 2014, uh, when uh, Wexford knocked the uh, defending All-Ireland champions out in a replay. Um, 
I do remember that because I was trying to watch it on a dodgy stream in Rio de Janeiro while covering the World Cup. So uh, obviously I wouldn't do anything like watch a dodgy stream now that I work for RTE. Um, but let's start with RTE. Jackie, you're, in a, you're a Sunday game pundit. Um, trial by television uh, is the topic du jour. It's, there's been a lot of columns written about it this week. Um, and let's be honest, there's been a lot of columns written about it every year probably since the advent of the Sunday game, because it, it always happens. And um, I think the issue here for a lot of people it was that Clare fans are angry because it was a Limerick man and a Tipperary man who were on the Sunday game highlight show, highlighting the incidents of Peter Duggan and Rory Hayes. And then, of course, there's what about, you know, there was obviously a couple of uh, Seamus Flanagan incidents that uh, were not highlighted. But has the case has been made this week Undoubtedly, the CCCC would have looked at those Seamus Flanagan incidents and he hasn't been, um, no ban has been proposed for him. So um, we're, we're in a not unusual place, but the the, the atmosphere isn't great now. Clare are, are, are not happy with RTE and the GA powers that be. Um, as a Sunday game pundit, you are obviously not an entirely neutral <laughs> voice on this, but I'm just interested in what you thought about what you've thought about the whole Ferrari thus far. Yeah, look, it, there's probably been a big fallout from it. Um, I suppose from a pundit's point of view, you're there to analyse what you see in front of you. Um, and the incidents themselves, you know, they were quite black and white from my point of view. Uh, the three incidents, the two in, in the in the in the Clare Limerick game, there was one or two other incidents in Limerick that could possibly have been included in that. Um, you know, but it's it's about a balance. Look, if we were to pick out every unsavoury or instance that may not have been picked up by the ref, well then your analysis is going to be entirely negative and you're going to be entirely looking at these kind of scenarios because the game is just at a situation where it's very hard to monitor and to for a referee to carry out his duties and John Keenan had a really good game yeah he missed a couple of flashpoints um, but I suppose it's get balanced right with being open and looking at what's actually happening in front of you I suppose the fact that look Shane and Brendan were on on the uh, on the Sunday game. Shane actually didn't do the analysis; it was actually Brendan. So I think mm. it's unfair to probably land it at at, at him. Um, from the Clare point of view, it just it's just unusual that the CCC is rare this head now uh, at this one time when the Sunday game did highlight it. And of course, I've been on on panels where we've highlighted other things before, and they've never been actioned by the CCC. So it's it's just there's no real transparency as regards where they're at with this. Um, and unfortunately for Brian Lone and these guys, that is the kind of hangover this week that they're going to be trying to plan uh, Wexford this week. And do they have Peter Duggan and Rory Hayes? They won't know until later this week. And that is quite challenging. But as regards Clare, I mean, Brian Lone will have learned from Gerlach Nan and the whole Colin Lynch saga. So I'm sure he'd be well used to this. He'll tap into it. He could actually use it as a siege mentality. Um, and they have a decent panel that they can reconfigure two things, uh, the two players if they are gone. Uh, but from the point of view, we just need that balanced approach as regards what we see, what we analyse. Um, and look, for clear people, I probably would would agree, maybe we should have looked at some other other incidents. But, you know, like we're there to do a job, 70 minutes, there's an awful lot of action to get in. And as Rory will attest that, it's very hard to whittle down your analysis for a small winner to analyse a game. Yeah, Rory, you're obviously a veteran of many seasons of uh, editing the Sunday Game Highlight Show. Um, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a classic uh, final, but I don't think any of us can say that it was, you know, 
<laughs> that that it was played within completely within the rules um like a game a game of that intensity simply can't be so there were incidents and some were highlighted um and i suppose we're in i think a lot of people listening here would be interested in kind of the kind of the mechanics of it say on a sunday afternoon and how you decide you know I know you weren't working on this show because you now do the live show, but like kind of just just how kind of give people an idea of kind of how those decisions are made and and kind of how it comes to end up on air that we're kind of highlighting things that a referee may have missed, etc. Well, look before before we go there, I think there's a few key points that I think are worth mentioning on this. I mean, the first thing is in the if you go back to when the Sunday game first came on TV, which was 1979. <clears throat> And through the 80s and 90s, this started to become a feature. Now, the main reason, I've often spoken to Tony Davis about this, the former Cork footballer he, who used to be on with us. And Tony makes the not unreasonable point that the Sunday game was actually largely responsible for tidying up some of the more tuggish elements that were going on, particularly in football. Like Tony will tell you, in football, there was an honour in hurling and lads didn't wear helmets so you had to be you had to be careful back back in those days in terms of what you did and etc but in football they were killing fields and there was there was some <laughs> awful stuff went on so the sunday game actually played a fairly instrumental role in cleaning up gaelic football from what it was then to what it is now and people can argue the toss on that front in terms of the game uh, two weeks ago, look, Mikey, you and I both spoke about this um, only a few, only a, a couple of weeks, even a few, maybe a month ago with Column Keys, where I was making the point, and I'll say it again: intercounty hurling is largely ungovernable. You know, impossible. if, if, if you want game to referee, if you, want, if you want it played in the way that everybody is saying, "Oh, let the game flow," there's no rules. So, <laughs> you know, like. So where do you draw the line? That becomes a very difficult decision then from an editorial perspective, because you've got to say, right, look, what's the really nasty stuff? And I'd say that's part of what probably informed the discussion around this. A chop down on the back of somebody with a hurley and fair play to Seamus Flanagan, by the way, because that was, you know, look, that was a pretty dangerous and it's a strike with the hurley and it's a straight red card. And I don't think Rory Hayes can have anybody to blame but himself. And, and that, also feeds into well do you not show it at all i mean are you expected to because these incidents occur and we're, we're meant to feed into the spirit of it we're going to make a decision well we're not just not going to show anything and we're going to censor it all and we're just not going to ignore this and then what happens is probably feeds more into it and then you get more instances of it and i think look they were in an, in an impossible position on the night um no matter what way they roll the dice on it they were going to be accused of not feeding into the spirit of things i think sean morn wrote a really good piece today in the irish times about the application of rules and how that might influence ccc and how that is influencing and the television coverage may be influencing from that end i think all of that is a smoke screen at this stage and what i would say ultimately on this is to claire forget it now don't let this distract you. It's one match. I, I I know we'll get into talking about the game. I think regardless, I know the two very key players and Dougie is actually probably a bigger loss. I think they have a fairly good deputy in Key and Nolan to come in, in for Rory Hayes. But I think Claire just need to park it and go up and play the match and win the game on, on Saturday. And I think they have every capability of doing so. 
as long as they don't let this become a big distraction. Yeah, uh, but Connor, sure, as far as Groot Hegarty's concerned, we've been talking about this too much anyway because hurling is well, overanalyzed. I wonder, is there scope to get rid of the CCC altogether now, given the Sunday game exists? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have it live get on TV of... that night. There, there's a good kangaroo feature. court. We could get rid of a layer of bureaucracy here. There's potential to get rid of it. We could have just Shane Dowling saying yay or nay on the TV, especially get a week for get, get a week for days. <laughs> Yeah. As Jackie pointed out, it was largely uh, Brendan Cummins who did the analysis of that those couple of incidents. But needless to say, Shane Dowling is getting most, most of the flack given his uh, closeness, I suppose, to the to the Limerick players. Um, yeah, uh, I as Rory said, it, it was. I mean, I, watching the game, I thought um, the Peter Duggan incident stood out. I mean, it would have been ludicrous not to draw attention to them, given that people saw them and they were very clear and they seemed pretty black and white in a in a game where there's so much gray area around the rules they seemed like entirely black and white incidents um like the Keenan Fahey incident was highlighted as well from the Leinster final I don't detect any complaints around that in Galway given that that was such a clear cut one I suppose um yeah um as far as the Colin Lynch uh, reference goes I mean I think the lesson to draw from that if People remember as the Clare actually didn't win the All Ireland that year, so perhaps they they mightn't want to keep that that one turning over, and maybe maybe it'd be better if they did park it because. Uh, well, I think Jimmy Cooney played his role in that one too, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Jimmy Cooney played the role there. Jackie, to, to to move on to the game then, um, Wexford won the won the league encounter, so I think we could just straight away say that Clare are going to win the championship encounter because that's how things have been going. Um, I, I very rarely do this because I'm not I'm not a gambler, but I actually had a look at the outright betting for the All Ireland and Wexford are rank rank outsiders at thirty three to one, Galway sixteen to one, Cork nine to one, Kilkenny seven to one, Clare eleven to two, and Limerick uh, two to one on. Um, which shows the kind of monsters kind of that where the hierarchy is. I think that's fair enough. So. The bookies aren't always very wrong, I'm told, Jackie, as I said, I'm not a gambler. But at the same time, there is this feeling out there that Wexford um, found their mojo against Kilkenny, um, had a nice tune-up against Kerry, and now they're coming up against the Clare team, who may struggle to get up to the pitch of it after 90 minutes of insanity and, you know, like getting so close to, to downing the, the green monster and failing. Um so, but the the bookies don't think so. They think that Clare should should win this match pretty handily. Um, where do you land on it? Well, if you look at it, they have had two weeks to recover from that bruising encounter, and they haven't had any consistency issues this week or this year. If you look through the round robin, they've rolled from one performance into the next. A really high level of intensity, real high level of execution on the skills. So I don't I don't buy into that. Uh, Wexford have been more inconsistent but they've probably put in a couple of good performances now with the Kilkenny one the Kerry one was very professional as well so they are probably coming in a little under the radar reflected in in, in, in the, the, the bookies odds but if you do look at this Clare team like they have been able to go toe-to-toe with Limerick they have been able to answer the questions that they've that the Limerick have answered, asked them and physically they're very 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 at it um, and once again, I'll talk about form and momentum. There's probably no better team in, in, in the country outside of Limerick with form players like Fl- uh, Paul Flanagan, John Conlon. Man, that lad is, is, is some six. David Fitzgerald in the form of his life. Tony Kelly is playing 
which is probably the best hurling of his life, which is 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 crazy considering the standard he's had. Shane O'Donnell is in a new role. Uh, Ryan Taylor, Brian Lone is just getting stuff out of guys that we just haven't seen so far. So ju- they just seem to have a really, really tight knit group with a huge level of spirit, a huge level of hunger and fight. Um, and there's a lot to like about this Clare team. Wexford, what I will say is Wexford is they're quite dangerous because Lee Chin and Conor McDonald, they're overloading their full forward line. There are opportunities there for goals. They are physical. They're good in the air. And Rory O'Connor is a very potent attacker often. So they're probably a little unbalanced in the sense that their half forward line is a little weaker. But by God, if they get ball into those two or three guys inside, there could be some serious, serious goals uh, for Wexford the weekend. Yeah. Conor, if Wexford are to be clear and uh, progress in this championship, which obviously we're we're saying is not the um not 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 the backed um outcome at the moment. As Jackie says, there's something I wanted to bring up. They'll do it pretty much, not to be mean, but like w- without really a half forward line, which is kind of becoming almost. It, it used to be the half back line is was the line, you know. Now half forward line with the way the game has gone, like Limerick being kind of the the the, the prototypes. Um. Wexford very much are built on um, a very strong half-back line and a very strong full-forward line. And um, so it would be kind of unusual. But the the thing that they have there is a very... They do have in O'Hanlon, Rec and Poddy Foley a very strong half-back line, uh, which would make it interesting kind of trying to defend against Tony Kelly, who I wasn't here for the analysis of the Munster Hurling final, but Tony Kelly's performance was obscene. Um, I know the sideline cut at the end got most of the, the attention, but... Uh, the point where he hooked Grode Hegarty, <laughs> picked up the ball, evaded two men, ran up the sideline and put it over off his left after having pointed a free about 20 seconds before that. He's To me, Tony Kelly at the moment is just operating on a different plane to, to any hurler I can think of in recent years. Yeah, it wasn't even as good as his performance in Ennis either, which was completely ridiculous and stratospheric um, for the first 50 minutes. Um, yeah, Wexford... Uh, I mean, we had them written off, I suppose, after after the Westmead game. There didn't look to be much momentum about them. And then this um, very impressive record, which they developed during Davies' era in um, Nolan Park, Poss- apart from the 2019 Leinster memories, possibly the greatest legacy of uh, Davy Fitzgerald's era in, we- in Wexford is that they shed their inhibition about playing Kilkenny, given so many defeats over the years. Uh, yeah, it was a rousing, rallying performance. We saw, I mean, the half-back line was particularly impressive, both raiding forward and defensively. That stunning bit of play by Damien Reck at the end, of course, went went a bit viral. And um, yeah, they, they, uh, the, the question mark is whether that was kind of a, an inspirational last stand performance or whether whether that can be backed up, whether they can take the momentum from that and really run with it or whether they will revert to their form in the earlier rounds which was very flat and the team weren't functioning properly they lost to Dublin who um, turned out to be mediocre enough on the basis of their latter two rounds and they got an extremely lucky draw with Galway so you know they were, were, were very uncertain around Wexford we can't obviously draw anything from their league form the question mark is whether that was just an inspirational last stand effort against against their old foes, <coughs> or whether they can follow that up against Clare. Uh, on form, you would say no, and also given the, the recent record, you'd say no, given that Clare have really added over Wexford mm. in recent years. 
Rory, this is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, this is where the rubber hits the road, really, Rory, in terms Mm. of the um, what we see is the perceived inequality between the two the two provinces. We're going to see it this weekend. Galway, you know, were you know the the number two team in Leinster, and they're playing Cork, the number three team in in Munster, and we're saying that game is too close to call. This one is the number two team by a by a hair's breadth, almost the number one team in, in Munster coming up against the number three and somewhat lucky to be number three team in Leinster. So if the province, if the provincial situation is the way we think it is, Clare should really canter home here, shouldn't they? Canter, probably a bit too strong a word. I'd expect a performance from Wexford. I mean, look, it's championship knockout at this stage and you, I mean, there's, you know, it's... It's a winner go home. So I think there will, ha- I'd, I'd expect, like under Darry again, I don't expect the kind of haphazard displays that pockmarked some of their Leinster campaign. I think they will bring a fair degree of intensity as well. That something close to what they brought down to Nolan Park to go down to Nolan Park and win in a championship match shows unbelievable character. Unbelievable. There's no, there, I, I don't know how many teams have come out of there with a win. So certainly in the last, however many years, Galway are probably the only other ones that I can think of anyway. And that shows to me that there's a good spirit there. He has a consistency of selection. He's got a couple of really classy forwards. They will rack up a big score. They've got Leach in. They've got a, they've got a couple of good free takers. I would, one one thing I would say is there's been such hand wringing and clutching of pearls about the application of the rules and the liberal application of the rules in relation to boat matches in the provincial finals. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a wee bit of a tightening up this Saturday, and that can play into the team that might have been slightly more profligate in terms of fouling. It's and look, the liberal application, as we know, has probably been more pronounced in Munster. So that could count against Clare too, to a certain extent. And your free taking is going to be essential. Now, if Dougie's out, that's probably Clare's number one free taker gone. Now Tony Kelly slot in there handy enough. I'm sure that won't make that won't make much of a difference. But I think the biggest problem from a Wexford point of view is they're playing a team that Limerick played three times this year, league and championship, and Limerick couldn't beat them in 70 minutes of hurling. So I think from a Wexford perspective, that's a big ask. And I just think Clare have too much quality right throughout the side, and I'd, I'd expect them to win. That's I don't of, think it will be a canter, though. No, no, I, I, I was exaggerating to, to, to make a point. I, I, I was yerring, as I think you people yeah. in Munster call it. Um, <laughs> ja- Jackie, that's, that's one for Claire. Um, can you make a case for Wexford here? Or are you also going to back Brian Lowen's men? You, you can make a, a case for Wexford because if you look at Tony Kelly, Damien Rick, <coughs> excuse me, is probably <clears throat> in the top three cornerbacks, wing back, anywhere in the backs kind of a guy at the minute. He will probably tag Tony Kelly and I expect him to do a reasonable job. Liam Ryan at full back is, is hurling really well. Matthew O'Hanlon, I think, is probably hurling probably the best hurling of his life at the minute. He'll probably take on um, maybe one of the key forwards as well. Dermot O'Keefe didn't play the weekend, so they need him back in that middle third. The question for Wexford would be, can they get enough ball into Conor Mack and Lee Chin? from that middle third where Clare are absolutely ravenous. We've seen they've been conditioned by three games against Limerick, so they'll bring a high temperature there as regards work rate, intensity. And what I could see is 
if Wexford are struggling, they might have to bring a leech in out. They might have to push Rory uh, uh, O'Connor out. And that drags away your, your goal threat. If Wexford can afford to be able to break even there and get ball into those guys, they have a great chance. So there are avenues where Wexford can really get after this team. But Clare are a more rounded team. They probably have a better team, possibly even a better panel. Um, and I would argue with Rory, I would think Rory, Rory Hayes would be a bigger loss than, than Duggan because you've mean, yeah, yeah. you've yeah, you've Rogers there. You could possibly put Shane O'Donnell in full forward as a focal point. Aaron Shanner, we haven't seen. So they have options. Rory Hayes would probably have been picking up uh, um, Rory O'Connor the weekend or maybe even Chin. So I do think you've a bit of a loss there. Um, I think there's more options at the other end, but I'm going to give a vote uh, to Claire on this one, Mikey. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Um, I I would probably sensibly probably back Claire as well to 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 win the match. Obviously, my heart says otherwise, but form lines and everything else w- would would have to say that Claire are going to win. But Con- Connor, you're a contrarian. Well, do you see this going differently? Well, the psychological conditions heading into it might benefit Wexford in the sense I think Claire were quite um, their heart set on Munster to some degree, given that it's been so long since they won it. Only team in Munster hasn't won it in the 21st century. So I think they left it all out there in that respect. And the game went the distance it did. Uh, so they might be, uh, I don't know about downcast, but they might be, you know, they're coming in after that. Can they rise it again type thing? Now, I suspect on balance, they look the more complete team, as, as Rory said. And they look, I mean, Rory Hayes will be a big loss if they don't get his suspension overturned. I thought Paul Flanagan did quite well in the other corner mind um but uh i um yeah i wouldn't rule out wexford if they can maintain that momentum but i mean you know logic would indicate you should be tipping claire i think this weekend logic uh logic. i like rory's ideas that, that, that matters in hurling at all yeah, yeah exactly you're over analyzing again connor um <laughs> I like Rory's idea that the referee absolutely destroys the game and Leach in beats uh, Tony Kelly in a free-taking competition. It's Pod, it's Pod, it's Pod, it's Pod O'Dwyer, I think, on Cork Galway and Cullum Lyons doing Claire Wexford. So. Okay. Interesting. All right, we'll wait and see. Um, Jackie and Connor, thank you very much. We'll be back shortly with Pat Spillane and Shane Roach to look ahead to the Chelsea Cup semi-finals. Welcome back. Uh, as, as promised, we'll be joined by uh, Cheltenham Cup's number one fan, Pat Spillan, and by Wexford Senior Football Manager Shane Roach to look ahead to this weekend's Cheltenham Cup semi-finals. And Shane, as a manager of a Division 4 team, uh, you'd obviously love to be involved, but it must be a little bit heartening that, you know, an entire day, you know, at this end of the season has been given over to the Cheltenham Cup semi-finals. There's no other football matches. There's no hurling matches. There, there's, there's only uh, women's football and a minor hurling semi-final. So Westmead v. Offaly and Sligo v. Cavan, you know, they're getting as top a billing as they can possibly get here. And, and this is kind of meaningful games and a shop window. This is kind of what the Tolson Cup was about, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the great thing about the, the Tolson Cup is it's been just so competitive. Like, we're all closely matched. There's been 13 games, and the average winning margin is, is five points. And, you know, and there was only one double-digit winning margin that was awfully against New York you know so like if you compare that to the I suppose the provincials or that you're, you're looking at an average across all provincials of winning margin of about 10 points and um, so like you know it really is is very competitive we've had to, you know the drama of Sligo and London 
a draw, win in extra time, Sligo and Leitrim drawn, uh, you know, the win on penalties. So, you know, you've had fantastic wins for Carlo over, over Tip, uh, Tipperary, awfully, you know, got their payback on us in a, in a great game. Um, yeah, and like the thing about it is it'll all go down to two very close games the weekend. Uh, both, all four teams have, have scored pretty, pretty freely, like Sligo have scored 435 in the Dalton Cup. Cavan have got 240. Offaly have scored 646. And uh, and Westmead have got 234. So you're, you'll be guaranteed that on, on Sunday afternoon, there'll be, there'll be four teams that'll be going out to win it, playing uh, front foot football. And it'll be, it'll be a great spectacle. And it'll be in Crow Park where Division 3 and 4 uh, players want to play. Yeah. Well, I suppose, as you mentioned, Offaly got revenge on you. I'd be curious to know, now in hindsight, which of those matches would you have preferred to have won? Was a win in the Leinster Championship, is that still, you know, a currency that, you know, Wexford footballers like to bank, even if it led to, uh, you know, the inevitable, yeah. you know, beating yeah. at the hands of Dublin? Or would you have rather to go another round in the Charlton Cup? Jeez, uh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, look, I suppose on the day, you know, to, to get another, you know, win in the Leinster Championship, you know, we, we haven't done probably back-to-back Leinster Championship wins in maybe 10, 10 years you know, we beat Wicklow last year and gave Dublin, uh, you know, a pretty competitive game. And we probably hope for the same same this year. You know, you want to, we always knew the Talton Cup was there, but we wanted to stay in the Leinster Championship and uh, I suppose compete against against <clears throat> Dublin. Uh, but look, in hindsight now, the way the way it's gone and the way the draw the draw was, and you see now Offaly going to Crow Park the weekend, obviously, um, you know, getting a win in the Talton Cup would have been, would have been nice. We had the chances, but... You know, it was a fantastic game of football. I think it finished three eleven to two twelve, and right down to the seventy third minute, both teams. Um, you know, it was, it was so close. So yeah, look, I suppose we'd like to be in Crow Park this 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 Sunday afternoon playing a, a Talton Cup semi final. Yeah, Pat, um, you you have as as Shane kind of outlined there, your your son Pat is involved with Sligo, who have been. The great entertainers of this Chelsea Cup. They've been involved in a couple of clinkers uh, against London, who have uh, had a great season themselves, and then against their their local rivals, Leitrim. And as you said in your column this week, quite honestly, you said up until your son got involved with Sligo, you didn't pay too much heed. You know, you know more than any other GA fan. Um, but I think you've got up close and personal now, and you now realise that a Sligo Leitrim uh, rivalry is every bit as uh, bitter. And close fought as uh, Kerry Cork. Yeah, you know, I've all my hands up. You know, I'm a late convert. I come from the elite of the so-called elite of interested in as regards closing the gap between the top and the bottom and having a neckable football championship and a fair football championship. You don't give it tuppenny. Uh and this year was the first time that like I really took huge interest in in, in division four in particular. I, I I attended more division four league games this year than division one league games. Uh, and I've enjoyed them. I really have enjoyed them. The passion, the football, the honesty, the entertainment. Uh, maybe it is a throwback. Yes, mistakes. Yes, there's a lack of top quality players. But you know what? It, it's 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 a level playing pitch. And, and you know, I, I was just started thinking in my footballing career. I started with Templeno in 1972. Actually, I was 16 playing senior. And in 1973, we won our first ever county championship, and it was the county novice championship. And we beat Ratmore B. 
And to this day, I don't give a tuckney. To me, whether, whether it was a, a, against the B team, whether it was an average chance, it was a county medal. A county medal is a county medal. An All-Ireland medal is an All-Ireland medal. And, and I was one of those people that, uh, because I was selfish and thinking of Kerry, I didn't see the need for a competition or two competitions. But of course, it stands to reason that, you know, that the inter-county format should be rep should replicate the county, the club format, where we should have, like I said, three tiers, maybe junior, intermediate and senior, teams of an equal basis. And I saw it in the opening round. I've seen it in the league. I saw cracking games in the league. And Shane, Shane's team were very unlucky because... Uh, in the first round, Sligo, you know, uh, daylight robbery, probably late finish, cost Wexford in that game. Um, the championship was the one that really stuck to me, though, that opening weekend of the championship. London and Leitrim, what a cracker. Leitrim, last minute goal to win the game. New York, Sligo, ah, oh, what a cracker. What entertainment. And people there that day, there was four and a half thousand in Gaelic Park. What an atmosphere. But, okay, but, the, but the, the point I'm trying to say in Gaelic Park that day, no one was bothering whether Sligo or New York was ever going to win a game. They knew they weren't going to win probably another game of the championship. They knew they weren't going to win the Ireland. They knew they weren't going to win the Connors Championship. But that day was a special day. Great quality, great entertainment, two level teams going hammer and tongs. And then, then I said, ah, oh, the Talton Cup is going to work. And, and in fairness to the Shane, Shane and all the managers, to the players, to the county boards, there's been buy-in by all of them. And once you have buy-in, you're going to have a good competition. And we're having a good competition and it's been very entertaining. That Sligo Leitrim game, oh, holy God, I watched it on Diego. It was just a cracker. It had <laughs> everything. Compact ground, 5,000 in Carrick and Shannon. Uh, twists and turns, results up in doubt up to the final whistle, the penalty, the drama of the penalty shootout. So look, I, I hold my hands up. I'm a late convert, but please, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Are you going on Sunday, Pat? I am, I am. I bought my ticket last night. Uh, my good, my good wife went on. Actually, while we're on the issue of tickets, and yeah, you know, I, I'm. It's my first ever time. It's it's my first ever time going to Crow Park since the All Ireland final of 1991 that I wasn't involved either working for the Sunday World or working for RT. That's 31 years ago <laughs> since I was last in Crow Park as a spectator watching the Brilliant. games. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to have my two daughters there. My wife is going to be there. My grandchild is going to be there. We're going to be. Just where are you sitting? The... Wait, do you, do you know where you're sitting? Not going to tell you, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Rory. We'll be looking for you, don't you worry. <laughs> but I'm looking for you. Know, while we're on the ticket situation, do you know, and, and it, I know this is an aside, and it's just brilliant for these counties to get, but I just got a, I just got a text a few minutes ago from Timpano GA Club, do you know, to say, sorry, members, disappointing news, you're not entitled, we're, we're not getting any tickets for the all Ireland quarterfinal. And you start to say to yourself, like the club members here, you, you, you coax and cajole club members to join the club uh, on the ground that, well, A, they're supporting the club financially, B, most of them are volunteers anyway in the club, but C, the big guarantee is that there's a chance of getting a ticket. Now, all those club members, sorry, lads, you, you're not entitled to a ticket. Go go to the supermarket, go online. And by the way, all the good tickets are, are long gone. I think there's something... That's something crazy, but anyway, welcome to yeah. welcome, welcome to Talton Cup. And, and the ticket situation is crazy here in Kerry. We're getting the worst of tickets going online. We're too late. <laughs> oh, God bless you. Um, Shane, I have to make an admission on Rory's behalf now. He's not in favor. Uh, he likes the Charlton Cup as it is, as a Love straight it. knockout. He's not in favor of the round robin next year. I would imagine, uh, with skin in the game, you would be 
most managers would very much welcome more games and uh, the round robin is I, I'm guessing something you'd look forward to absolutely it's like what Pat said about division four you know we it, it, like the, uh, the winning margin for division four football was about f- five pints four pints like you know we lost uh two or three games by a pint we we're a, a pint down against Leach and press for a goal they got a counter-attacking goal you know so right down to the melting pot in all division four games bar a couple uh, you know, it could have went either way, um, and and that's 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 what the good thing about the Talton Cup is. And obviously, then with that and the excitement that Pat has alluded to, and myself, you know, after the Offaly game, you know, we were bitterly disappointed about the loss, but the performance, the, I suppose, being part of it, it was in a club ground. It was taken out of Wexford Park. We were doing doing uh, pitch works in there. It was in it was in um, Belfield, which is which is a club ground. It was compact. The signs were up, the sponsors were uh, were up around. And, you know, then the final whistle blows, you're delighted with the performance, beaten by a pint, and you're just thinking, geez, lads, that's the 21st of May, um, and we're done. You know, where, where for me, it would have been, right, lads, dust yourselves down, take the learnings from the game, and we go to play, you know, uh, for Manor, Cavan, uh, Sligo the week after, and more of that, I suppose. I'm a big believer with the young panel we have. We have 20 lads that are 25 and under, uh, you know, and for club action and summer, for them to be playing football this time of year would be key for us, you know, to keep them, keep them involved in the game, you know, the J1s, obviously, uh, the travel, etc. just, uh, I suppose, this time of year, um, the more football, the better, you know. Yeah, much said to that, Rory. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of it. I think my only fear doesn't come back to not wanting teams set. At, at, at their own levels to get games my fear is I think the GAA I know different to ourselves are flying four sheets to the wind at the minute I think in terms of staffing it in terms of referees linesmen umpires I think that's going to be a problem I think trying to find grounds okay that won't be such such an issue um, you're also going to run into problems around coverage all the matches are going to be squeezed in on top of each other you've got to bear in mind that <clears throat> The Sam Maguire has already moved to a round-robin format after the provincial finals. Where are you going to fit in the coverage there? You're moving from a 15 or 16-game competition as it's currently constructed to maybe a 35-game competition. Um, are, you, are you venturing into dead rubber territory? Are you venturing into games that really have no sense of meaning, that are going to lack that little bit of punch and lack that bit of value? I'd have a few concerns on that front. And I think a straight knockout brings a really, really fun element uh, and a really exciting element that I think in time, I think the general public will start to buy into. I think if you go to a round robin format, I think there is a fear that you could dilute it, its impact and its ability to grab the public's imagination. And that would be the big fear for me. Pat, you have the deciding vote here. I know he's my boss on the Sunday game and I'm supposed <laughs> really? to be- I'm supposed to be nice to him and say, Roy, you're spot on. No, no. Feel, Pat, you know where I am. Feel free to slaughter me. I'm I'm a big boy. Can I respectively suggest that maybe Rory is wrong there? And I'll tell you why. I think the key, the key to developing players, as Shane will agree to, and the key to developing teams is games, more games. So you take Waterford this year. The Waterford footballers this year, under Efi Fitzgerald, were much improved. They were very unlucky. They only won, they, they drew Tipperary in the first round, had a couple of one-point defeats, but great performances, right? They get one game in the Talton. They were beaten by Tipperary. That was last May. They will now go, the guts are nine months before they play another match. 
Wouldn't they surely to God have benefited by playing a round-robin series of three or four matches? Of course they would have. But of course, it's going back. And I, I make no apologies for this, lads. Because I, I make no apologies for bringing this up again. Uh, the way we've planned the season mm -hmm. is an absolute joke. It makes <laughs> no, it makes no sense at all. And you think that after next Sunday, after next Sunday, which is just past the middle of June now, the middle of June, that after next Sunday there will be two matches, two weekends left in the hurling championship, and three weekends left in the football championship. And you're looking at, geez, right? So Watford footballers are gone. So I suppose the Watford football championship is nearly finished now. Is the Dublin hurling championship in full swing? No, it's not. There's nothing happening <laughs> now. It's now we're in limbo land because what's happening now is the county goes out and we're going to limbo land. The young lads, the J1s, they're all gone. I see Ty Connor Myler. Connor Myler's going to Chicago this week. He's he? gone to Chicago. Yeah. There's more Tyrone players. So they're all gone till August, September. There's a limbo land now. And you tell, I, it's, I tell you this now. People agree with me or disagree. Most of the time they disagree with me. It is the first time in my life that everyone that I, I have met agree that it's absolutely brain dead to end the All-Ireland Hurling and Football Championship before the end of July. And I'll give you two... and. Don't give me this story about the club player. The club player, it's like as if the club player is, 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 is going to become the dodo, an extinct species. The, club, <laughs> the club's player in Kerry, my own club, they will have, before the championship, they will have completed 11, 11 league matches. They're getting loads of matches. The club players and everything. But like we forget, we're cutting off our nose despite our face. Let's, let's remember the inter-county game, the inter-county scene is what drives the profile of our games and is what generates the revenue. So we're cutting off our nose despite our face. Yes, we want to encourage that all the inter-county players get games, all the club players get plenty of games, but not under this system. And you know, you talk about you talk about the game down in, 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 in Carrick and Shannon between Leitrim and Sligo. A cracking game and what if there was a replay in that what if there was a replay think of the profile it would do for the Gaelic football in Leitrim and Sligo think of what it would do bringing a crowd into Markovic Park think of the promotional aspect and it's all lost because we have to rush this out we have to get the penalties out of the way we have to get the extra time out of it and you see the farcical situation so many extra time games now I'm just lads lying in the, lying in the field being treated for cramp and you're saying like ah, this is wrong this is just wrong Everything one thing one, 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 one thing I hope they do when they do configure it for a round robin format obviously you want it maybe on a I know that there is talk that it's still going to be configured on a north south basis maybe for the for the round robin section and if that's the case that's fine look you know I suppose they can make the argument there on the basis of cost fuel etc but one thing I do hope they do which was the massive mistake which a lot of people flagged ahead of the super eights is that the two teams that win the first match they should play each other and the two teams that are beaten in the first game play each other. So oh, yeah. at least when you get to the final round, there's something at stake and you try and reduce the number of dead rubbers as much as you possibly can. Yeah, that might make sense. Shane, what's the situation down in Wexford with the club championships? Because obviously um, the two COVID championships, it worked out quite well for a dual county like Wexford where they kind of got they got the kind of football played off and, and then the hurling. Um, I presume there's no rush on either championship down there this year, is there? No, it, it, like, you know, I just, I confirm my ticket for Saturday afternoon for um, the doubleheader in Semple Stadium. So uh, that'll be a, a massive kind of um, depender on that is, is the result there. Um, you know, if I think maybe mid-July, if if um, if there's, if the result doesn't go the way, you know, so it'll yeah. be seven or eight weeks of hurling starting, start of July, mid-July, uh, depending on the result. 
and then seven or eight weeks of, of football, you know. So that's a, that's a, always a big thing, you know, for me. I was I was on uh, something recently and we we're chatting about pre-season and that and uh, next year and building for next year. And you're talking about that, like um, the, our group of lads will have seven or eight weeks of hurling, seven or eight weeks of football. They'll have to have some downtime and that leads into probably November, December. So leading into the National League next year, where you're probably going to prepare for six weeks for your most important tournament, you know, it can be quite difficult. That's, you know, one thing we found this year was lads needed downtime, lads had injuries and you're in mid-January and you're, you're two and a half weeks out from Sligo and you're going, right, it's, uh, it's go time here now. We, we came unstuck, went away to Cavan, beaten, and all of a sudden promotions out of our hands, you know? So, mm. so that's, that's really, when it's crammed like that, you have a split season for county and, uh, and club, but also then we split for hurling and football as well, which, uh, which uh, I suppose is great for the hurling-only clubs, but with a very little football-only clubs, it'd be all, you know, really yeah. dual, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's interesting, actually, Shane. So you're saying you split for hurling. So obviously we have a split season. And then you're split again. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your football lads now are going to go out when eventually the championship does begin, are going to play hurling first. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, our boys will play, you know, hurling until maybe the mid-September, end of August, start of September, and then they'll start football. So, so, they, so a developing team who has now put down a football <laughs> for how many months behind me? Yeah. Yeah. Look, that, that, they caught me, they caught me after the offering game, obviously. Uh, you'll say nothing. You know, yeah, they caught me after the Offaly game. Um, one of the one of the papers, and I said, like the next time, I want more games for this group of players. You saw the the, the performance there today. It did, the result didn't go away, but the next time a lot of these guys will kick football will be uh, August September, and this is as I said the twenty first of May. You know, the, the clubs will start preparing for hurling championship, and they'll run that off uh, group stages, and, and away they go. Yeah, it's it, it is it is slightly bizarre. Are you gonna be are you gonna be there for preseason next year, Shane? Are you uh, are you signed up for another year? And uh, well, we're we're due now. I'm looking at it. We're due the end of this month to sit down with the county board and maybe review last year and, and you know I suppose talk about next year. But yeah, you sound like so a man who has plans. And you've oh already got some gripes. Exactly. Yes, like it. Yeah, yeah. 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 When the Charlton Cup kind of it came around and people were looking at the sixteen teams in it, there was a lot of guff about. Uh, isn't it a shame that Cavan are in the Charlton Cup because you know they're probably good enough for the Sam Maguire? You look at the four teams. Offaly were in Division Two last year. Cavan were in Division Four. Cavan are, were where they were uh, because of a couple of very, very, very poor league league seasons. Whatever Mickey Graham, whatever pass he puts on it. So they're in the Charlton Cup, rightly because that's the way it's been structured. So all they can do is win it. And at the moment, looking at the four teams, you would probably say they're the favourites. Yeah, I mean, look, when you say, oh, Cavan shouldn't be in the Talta Cup, they deserve to be in the Talta Cup for a reason, because they managed to get themselves relegated through three and four, down to four. Uh, look, from the, I mean, it's a huge competition. I mean, people don't realise how big it is for these four teams involved, but particularly for the likes of Ka the Cavan of this world. I mean, if, if Cavan don't win the Talton Cup, 
the chances of their being playing in the they're not going to be playing in the All Ireland Championship next year. So if they can win the Talton Cup, they're guaranteed playing in the All Ireland Championship. It's a huge, huge carrot for the winners of this competition. From the start of the I mean, from the start of the competition, when you saw the performance of the teams, the number of the teams involved, you would have said, I would have said, Westmeath and Cavan are the two best teams in this competition. Uh, the format of the, 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 the makeup of the four semi-finalists, you have three teams who will be operating in Division 3 next year, and obviously Sligo are the only Division 4 team in it. Um, so it brings to the two matches, uh, Sligo and Cavan, I was at their league game, and it, it, was, a, it was on up in up Markovic, and Sligo were very good in the first half, and then they had a player, sent, and they were winning with, actually Sligo were winning with 20 minutes to go, winning by two points. But Sligo had a fellow David Quinn sent off. Oh, geez, happened in front of me. I mean, if the TV cameras, for if the Sunday game cameras were there that evening, all oh, that you'd be highlighting. This was the greatest injustice of a sending off I'd ever seen. But he got sent off, that's fair enough. Then on top of that, Sean Carabine, who was their best player on the day, got a black card, again under strange circumstances. So for that for, they played most of the second half with 14 men and for that 10 minutes spell they were down to 13 and Cavan just blitzed them and the big difference and it's the thing I've always said all year long with the, the top teams against the bar, the big difference I saw between Cavan and Sligo oh, admittedly they had an extra man but the conditioning and the physicality of the Cavan team were, were much ahead of Sligo so there wasn't much in it but okay Sligo are much changed probably Cavan are definitely much changed the big the big the, in, in terms of Sligo the huge loss and Shane would know that from playing against him. Uh, Niall Murphy is out. Look, he's a hamstring. And he, he was certainly one of the top three forwards operating in Division 4 this year. He's out. And now Alan Riley has taken on the mantle as his scorer in chief. But it's a big ass. Now, they've been kicking wides for fun in the last two games. I think they've averaged over 20 wides in, in, in the last two games. But at least they're getting shots off. And the one... The one positive note I see, I remember being at their game against Carlo, and they kicked 28 pints against Carlo. It was one of the finest exhibitions of pint shooting I've ever seen. And not long did they kick 28 pints, they never kicked a single wide. So it's possible they can get their shooting boots right. But, you know, you fancy Cavan, you know, a stronger team, more organised team, a team that was in the Ulster Championship. Uh, that won the Ulster Championship two years ago. We're in the All Ireland semi final, uh, three or four All Stars, physicality, conditioning. And I saw them against Donegal in the Championship. And you know, that first half, they were brilliant. Direct football, Paddy Lynch on song, you know, Thomas Gallagher is flying, Faulkner is an outstanding fullback, Gerard McKeown. So, you know, they have the, the experience, they've been there for a couple of years now, more settled. I will say this about Sligo. Um, they're a team, they're, you know, Shane talked about the, the age profile of the Wexford team and Sligo are no different. Sligo are a really young, up-and-coming team. Mm -hmm. And over the next couple of years, when they, when they introduce uh, the under-17s uh, from, from last year and this year's under-20 kind of winning team, there's good young talent. They're doing a lot of you. I, I see they're doing a lot of good work bringing through players in, at Sligo. And Sligo will be our coming team. And look, it's just great for the, to give them a game, give their supporters a, 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 an outing to draw Park. Win, lose, or draw. It's just, it's a win, win, win for everyone. Yeah. Uh, Shane, you obviously came up against both these teams this season. Um, so, how do you see this going? And did Cavan to you seem like a team that didn't belong in Division 4? Did you think they had a quality to them that kind of made them stand out against yourselves and the other teams in Division 4? Yeah, we, like we played Sligo in game week one and they they, they beat us 12-10 down Lexford Park and then the week after we went up to Cavan and, you know, we, we lost both games but both games felt 
completely different. Uh, the, the, the Sligo game felt we kicked it away. We dropped nine balls short. We missed three goal chances. Uh, Sean Carabine, we actually, that day, we looked at the FBD league and we'd seen um, Niall Murphy in the dome and he was kicking freeze and pints uh, and Alan Riley for, for, for sport. And Sean Carabine had missed both uh, FBD league games. Um, and all of a sudden he came on, he started that day and got five points from play, even though we kept Niall Murphy to a point. But then the following week up there, um, yeah, Garo McKiernan missed the first game against Leitrim through suspension and he came back. Uh, but they fe- it was six points they beat us, 17 points to, um, to 1-8. But it felt a lot, lot different. They were, they could have, they popped points, they kept the scoreboard ticking. Uh, Paddy Lynch, we, we, we minimised his threat, but... Grove McKeown got five or six pints. Uh, Raymond Galligan, Thomas Galligan, James Smith. They brought on Martin Riley, got two or three pints. Their wing backs, um, uh, uh, Kiernan, Oshin Kiernan. They were just the spread of scores of where they came from, their level of intensity. And like, what the key thing about them is, you know, they, their kick out is absolutely excellent, Raymond Galligan, but their actual press on the opposition kick out is also very impressive. It's very aggressive because they have massive men around the middle of the field. So they're pressing up on the kick, the goalkeeper to, for them to kick it long. And that's where they have Thomas Galligan, James Smith, um, Killian Clark comes up. So they have four or five men across the middle that are probably six foot two, six foot three. And that's where they really, you know, they hit the, you know, they hit teams hard. And we found that very difficult because they had 12 men pressing. Difficult to go short. Then we went long, we were kicking to them. And even Raymond Galligan stepped up that day. So, yeah, like... Um, Having a four to seven to win this tournament, uh, they're their favourites this week, uh, and, and rightly so. But in Crow Park, in the Division Four final between Tipperary and Cavan, it was pretty close, you yeah. know, up till the last minute. So you just don't know when teams go to Crow Park, and you know, with um, with Tony McIntyre as the manager, across McGlen Way, two Pat Hughes inside, and um, uh, Patrick O'Connor, uh, Young Spillane in there, they'll just they will kick ball in, they will kick ball in, they look to get runners off it, and. Um, you know, it will be a close affair. It'll be high scoring, but I do think Cavan will probably prevail. And the key mm. thing as well there, Mikey, and Pat mentioned it about the prize. The prize is significant because irrespective of, if you win the Talchin Cup, my understanding anyway, irrespective of how you fare in your provincial championship, you're guaranteed one of yes. the 16, one of the 16 places right. in the Sam Maguire round robin, which is three matches against serious opposition. So, You've effectively boxed off your 2023 campaign for a really competitive run on the back of whatever happens in the league and the provincial championship next year. And it'll give you an opportunity to really flesh out your panel and progress the team on again. So it's a huge prize at the end of it all. Then you throw into the fact that into the into the mixer, I think the two teams haven't met in championship football since the 20s or something like that. And <laughs> it's thrown up these championship fixtures that ordinarily we might never have gotten to see so i think it's a it's it's a big win and um should be a really good game as pat mentioned very tight contest in the league i think it was level with about 10 minutes to go if i'm not mistaken pat was that correct and then obviously calvin came with a burst but uh yeah look hopefully no hopefully no it'll be a good game Gail mentioned that word physicality, and that was the one thing that I took from that contest in the second half. How physical uh, they're they're an imposing team, Cavan, and they they hit they hit mm. hard. They really hit hard, and I thought it was the big advantage that they had was that that physicality. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so Pat, do you would you be giving uh, your offspring and his teammates a chance here, or do you think that this is going to go with the form book? Look, they've. Uh, Sligo play a lovely brand of football. They play front foot football. They move the ball quick. They move the ball long. They they, they get a lot of shots off. They need to improve their accuracy. Uh, I, I, you'd have to look. The experience is there with Kevin. They're a, you know they're a, they're a battle hardened team. Uh, no, I, I I think it'll be a closer game than many people think. But I, you'd have to fancy Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I fancy Kevin to win it out. So. Okay, um, we're going to do it again then. The uh, the old Leinster affair of uh, Westmead and uh, your uh, your old buddies awfully Shane. Um, Westmead, dread, dread, dreadful news there. Just uh, just see it there, Mikey, which is only breaking as of this morning about Niall Darby. Did you see that? And I just got it on a text there. Apparently, he's out for the season, uh, cruciate, and it might be the end of his career as well. And he's been a hugely significant player for them. I think he scored a champ, he scored a point in every game so far, playing cornerback, obviously attacking from deep, but gone certainly out Sunday. And may that might be the end for him, which would be uh, only just breaking there now, which is, which oh, is yeah, dread, dreadful news for from an awfully perspective, I would imagine. Shane yeah. would probably not be more familiar with him, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he got two points the last day. He's uh, like, I suppose every team now are playing two or three forwards up and invariably he seems to be the one that's that's uh, that's free and he's able to conduct things. You know, and, and the last day, I think Lee Pearson himself was was stretchered off the other cornerback as well. So like the both of them would be, be a, a massive loss for, for Offaly. Um, yeah, Darby, I think he's, he's, he's nearly playing, he's playing when, you know, when I was playing back in, Maybe 2008, 2009. So he's there. Uh, he's about 33 or 4. They have a few old stagers, actually, don't they? They, yeah. they managed to keep a few lads around. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'd be a big loss. It would be. Um, they they have kind of they've shown good resilience this year, Shane. I suppose haven't they? And you know they kind of they probably would have fancied themselves to to beat Wexford in in the championship, and obviously they they bounce back from that. Um, but the fear for them going into this match would be that perhaps. They got the novelty fixture the last. Not novelty. I don't mean to. I'm not being dismissive of New York, but it it, it wasn't. It wasn't a competitive fixture that it that Westmead had against Carlo, and so you'd wonder whether they might they might be coming in a little bit undercooked. Would be perhaps a fear. Yeah, but look, uh, I suppose the, the 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 draw was probably was kind kind of of the draws they could have got. But um, you know, this is going to be a local derby. Um, my my wife is a Westmead girl, so anytime we go up uh, via from New Ross up that way, you'd be in Tullamore, and then all of a sudden you'd be in Kilbegan, uh, crossing the border. So I'm sure now the Offaly lads, no matter who they played the last time, will be gunning for this. I I was looking up that they played twenty two times. It's ten nine to Offaly, and there's been three draws. Um, so nothing, nothing, nothing between it, Nothing between it. Uh, they're both very high scoring. Um, you know, you have John Heslin versus Niall McNamee, um, Rory McNamee versus Luke O'Loughlin, you know, and in fairness, I was actually looking the battle at the centre-backs. Um, I have seen the, the Westmead uh, centre-back, Ronan Wallace. You know, he'd remind you of um, McKinless from, from Derry and then there's Johnny Maloney, the captain. Uh, so, you know, I think this will be a very, very close game. And even, unfortunately, with the injuries, I think I'll have to go with the, the lads that, that knocked us out and think... Uh, Offaly could could um could get the win in this one. Yeah, that's interesting because because Pat, I, I guess the the uh the bookies and probably most most of the pundits would probably be back in Westmeath here. You know, very 
in Jack Cooney, they seem to have a very smart manager. They've obviously they, they seem to be a team. They've kind of seem to have got themselves kind of stuck in Division Three, and um, you know the the general consensus seems to be they're they're, they're possibly a Division Two and a half team. Maybe would that be a fair way of describing them? Just a couple of things, you know. I remember being. Uh, uh, we talk about the difference between the top teams and and the, the Division One teams and Division Four teams. And I remember last year I was covering the the Offaly Kildare Championship game on GA Go, and I remember sitting in my car and watching the two teams come in, in in Port Leash that day. And it was like watching a senior team and a minor team arriving because the strength and conditioning and the physicality and the size of the Kildare boys, gee, they look serious athletes, the Daniel Flynn's and all that. And then the Offaly boys arrived in and they were smaller and they were lighter and a lot of them were younger. And and I could see why they struggled. With, you know, There was a lot of hype with the appointment of Tommaso O'Shea, Shane Lowry was going investing in it, the winning of the under 20. But as Shane will agree, you know, that, that step up from Division 3 to Division 2, from under 20 to senior level, is a big step up. And Offaly found that to their cost issue because it was a you know it was going to be a big year of hype and all that and it was an underwhelming year now they, they have sort of rescued the season because i think they only lost one of the panel for the Tanton cup uh the big worry is for them is that yes they've organized it seems to be nile mcnamee they're depending a little bit on nile mcnamee but they, they have a little bit of momentum but uh, westmead were one of my favorite teams from last year i thought they were absolutely brilliant yet they were so so unlucky to get relegated. I thought they were really unlucky in every game. They were brilliant in, in so many games. Should have beaten Mayo down in Mullingar. Didn't concede any goal in the first three rounds. They were very, very good. And they I beaten Cork. I thought they were the better side than Cork on the day as well, but this time they played well, Cork in the league. They did. I was at the game and what happened was Ray Connellan got injured and he was... They conceded a couple of soft goals as well. They conceded a couple of soft goals. Yeah. They did. Uh, but... I was so disappointed. With I thought there were going to be certainties. Like everyone knew, the two certainties to be promoted from Division 4, eventually were promoted, that was Tipperary and Cavan. The certainty I thought coming out of Division 3 was going to be Westmeath. I couldn't see Limerick and maybe Lout, I didn't think. And Westmeath were a major disappointment. Now, I did see them against Kildare. Look, they scored 215 against Kildare, 214 from play. They have serious players. And the lads that Shane talked about there, Wallace and John Heslin and Red, Ray Connellan and Luca Lachlan, they have a serious football team, a serious football team. And you're right, the other big advantage, I fancy Westmeath. I really do fancy Westmeath. I'd be, I'd be very positive that they're going to win it. They've had two good competitive games. They weren't, they weren't great against Cavan, but or against Carla, but it was a good tough game, won by five points. But they had a real cracker against Leash now. They won by a goal. But so they're coming into a Sunday's contest with two competitive, two tough games, and I think we'll stand to them. And remember, Westmead have had experience of championship football in, in Crow Park only a couple of weeks ago. And I think they're just, I think they're a notch or two ahead. Awfully are a team in, in, in an improving team. They're a developing team. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But Westmead are that rung of the ladder, I think, a step above them still. Westmead and Cavan to be in the final and Cavan to win the Dalton Cup. I, I said it at the start and I haven't <laughs> my mind yet. All right, Pat's getting ahead of himself giving his final yeah, prediction. Yeah, Rory, yeah. Can you, how do you think Westmead and Offaly is going to go? I'm going to do the next podcast, Mikey, so I've done yeah. That's good. Thanks, Pat. You're saving us the I, bother. I, I wouldn't be as confident. I think Westmead will win, but I think it'll be a, fair, a pretty close game. I think Offaly will 
will definitely uh, make this extremely competitive. I don't see a huge amount in it. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a penalty shootout. I have the graphic ready, right? So just in case anyone's worried. <laughs> oh, no, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see this one go to extra time. I think that's a that's a very real possibility. Um, and and, and I, I, I'd give awfully a shout to to make it competitive, but I wouldn't disagree with Pat. I just think Westmead have that little bit more of a threat up front with Heslin, Luke O'Loughlin. They've got obviously uh, Ronan O'Toole, Sam McCartan. They've got they've got probably a better spread of scorers. They have that little bit of extra Croke Park experience as we know games play differently there. And I think they're, yeah, probably a team on a, maybe on a higher trajectory in terms of their development in relation to Offaly, who are also equally improving. But Westmead to win a fairly tight game and no surprise if it went to extra time. One thing I should ask, add, add as well, just in terms of our coverage on Sunday, um, we're Talchin, we're we're very Talchin esque. Is that a new word? <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm going to coin it anyway. So we're very Talchin esque. So our panel is going to be Keith Byrne from Leitrim, uh, Enda McGinley, who obviously managed Antrim uh, this year in the Talchin Cup, now has st- subsequently stepped down, and Ross Munley, who obviously has played with Leash uh, in the Talchin, played 13 games for Leash this year, despite being nearly 40 years of age, and is on the go 20 years. That is some going, no matter what way you roll it, or slice and dice it. So that's our panel. And then um, also we have... Uh, we have uh, Mickey Quinn on Cocom as well as Eamon Fitzmaurice Colin Mickey Quinn on Cocom for game one Kevin Sligo and uh, Fitzy's on game two so yeah so it's a kind of a Talchin-esque feel so it right. should be interesting to get some different voices for a change Ross Monley probably started playing before you started playing Shane and he's yeah. still going and you've got it to manage with yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Ross is Ross is a serious man he even came on like we played Leash New Born Cup and he came on that day with about 10 minutes to go on. I was like, oh, gee, you know, like Ross, Ross, surely you get the, the pass at least to the start of the National League. Yeah, you don't, the surely you don't need to play the New Born Cup. January. Yeah. I think he's on the go. Is it 2002 or 2003, maybe? Was it his first season like that? I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> 20 seasons at inter-county level. It's, amazing. it's, it's absolutely astonishing. Just, be, just before we finish up, Shane, just to get your idea, your thoughts on the matches being played in Croke Park, obviously we're not going to have a huge crowd there and there's always a question about the atmosphere in a in a in a quarter in a three quarters empty Croke Park is it still to a to a to a Gaelic footballer who doesn't get the opportunity very often is playing in Croke Park still whether it's whether there's ten thousand people there or eighty thousand people there is that still a bigger carrot than say having this game played in Tullamore or Markovic Park where you'd have ten or fifteen thousand people at it? Definitely, from a Wexford point of view, you know our aim was obviously uh, to win the Talton Cup but also a big aim for, as I spoke about, young players that have never played in Crow Park was exposure, was getting to Crow Park, playing uh, on uh, televised games in Crow Park. And, you know, in, in Wexford, whether it was 40 or 40,000 there, you know, we were, we were going to, to get to Crow Park to play games. And, you know, from playing there, um, from, there's, there's no place like it. You know, you're, the, the scores you get there, if you can get a goal, it's just something about Crow Park. Look, I would love to be bringing a busload uh, of, of Wexford players and management uh, underneath the tunnel, uh, underneath the stand in the dress room, running out in Crow Park on, on Sunday afternoon. And whether we were thrown in at half 11, I wouldn't care. It would be ready to rock uh, in Crow Park. Right. And uh, I think, Pat, you'd enjoy this one. Just one final point. Pat, get a kick out of this. I tried to keep the geographical spread and the geographical selection in the panel to the 
pertaining to the teams competing. I didn't need to bother with Munster because we're too busy in the Sam yeah. <laughs> we're all, yeah, and, and Can I just agree with, like, you know, uh, can I just reiterate what Shane just said? Because Crow Park is the mecca for all GA supporters. It's the mecca for all GA players. It's the place you dream of as a player to tug out and to play in. So, uh, RT and the GA are much maligned after time, but I just have to compliment the GA and RT for the GA for, for having the semi finals in Crow Park and the final in Crow Park and RT for covering it live because it's just it'll shine a light on the lesser known players on the weaker counties, the lesser known counties. It's it's their day in the sunshine, get a good audience inside. as well. It'll get a good audience, Pat. It will. Absolutely. I mean, the Munster football final, but the much maligned Munster championship and the much maligned Munster football final, which was a complete one-sided game. Isn't that correct in stating that out of every uh, one in three people that were watching television in Ireland on that Saturday afternoon were watching what? Maybe we beat ourselves up too much, Rory. Maybe we do. Uh, Maybe we do. Okay, well, uh, you can watch all the GA this weekend, all four senior uh, intercounty matches on RT, obviously. And uh, you can follow them on Saturday and Sunday Sport on RT Radio 1 and online on the RT website and news app. And Rory, you're going to you're gonna reveal uh, Hurling Pundit for Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a special guest coming in now as well on the hurling side of it. So delighted to have Joe Canning on board for a very first TV appearance. So he's going to be there for Cork Galway, Claire Wexford. He'll be on the panel with Anna and Davey. So it'll be very interesting to get Joe's views. I mean, look, goes with Joe's, Joe's one of the greatest players of all time. Let's be perfectly honest. And I think he has an authority and he's going to have a forthright view that I think people will be very interested to see. And it's great to have him on board. So, so, so it, won't that make a good headline? Joe is back with RTE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talk to Joe. Be, yeah. He said you described the greatest player of all time and, uh, you know, outspoken. You're describing the hur- Hurling's version of Pat Spillane there now. It can, it can only go well. Well, yeah. Certainly there are certain similarities, both as a player and as a pundit. Let's hope so. <laughs> all right. Thanks for... Excuse me. How many all medals have seen a medal says Joe got? Uh, seven <laughs> less than you. I'm off uh, No, no, Pat. Don't be feeling this trap. Uh, thank you to Pat... Uh, count my medals, Balan, to Shane Roach, <laughs> and to Connor Neville, and to Jackie Tyrrell earlier. And uh, we'll catch you all on Monday. Thank you very much. Good luck. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar.